So uh, Kathy was moved into hospice this week. Um, so just as he said, be praying. I mean, it's hard to find people more faithful than the Hammonds, I'll tell you. I mean, and, and any chance you get to even listen, you can go on his website and hear some of the times he's spoken at conferences or if you go to a conference where he's sharing, you will be profoundly impacted. It doesn't matter what topic he's talking about. He's moving, okay, just because of how he loves Jesus. And so um, continue to pray for them. This is another neat thing that we've seen over the past couple of years, you know, when you know, four and a half or five years ago, um, we received here at the Clemson Foothills Church our last support from the Columbia Church of Christ. Um, they gave us the last bit of money, right? And ever since then, we've supported ourselves as a small church. And one of the things that we've talked about over and over and over again is we didn't want to just be a church that just kind of made it. We wanted to be a church that was able to give to other people. We wanted our resources not to just be hoarded by us. Um, you know, and sometimes, yeah, we got to you know, sacrifice some things and we have to work a little bit harder and, and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is over the past couple of years is not only have we been able to, to be self-supporting is the money we've been able to give away to people has been really astounding. I mean, it's really amazing when I speak to brothers and sisters, they're surprised that we're making it to be self-supporting. They're more surprised when they find out that we're sending thousands of dollars to Guy Hammond. They're more surprised when they find out we've sent thousands of dollars this year to Swamp Camp, okay? And if you know anything about Swamp Camp, it might be the best thing we all come together to do, okay? Um, and again, that's another one of those places that um, we, we want to give our time and our effort and our energy, but man, there aren't very many things that we can be generous to that makes a greater impact. Um, there are families around here that... Uh, uh, you know, that some of you guys do know about that needed a new roof and basically needed their home completely upgraded, that, that our collective resources were able to give them essentially a new home. That's just in one year to do that. I mean, for a small group of kind of a campus church to be able to pay all of our bills and meet all of our needs and be self-supporting and not take from other people, but to give away thousands of dollars, that's really a miracle of God. I mean, it really, really is. So I just, let's continue that, okay? When, just be praying about that, that we can continue to be more and more generous and that we can continue to um, just help those who have need. All right, um, because like I said, I mean, there, as Guy said, there are people that are being helped that we won't know this side of heaven, you know, and how amazing would it be, you know, when, when you're in heaven, if somebody would go, this ministry right here, it made all the difference in the world. And, and I'll tell you, they, they really fight to stay above board financially, okay, because there really isn't one group that just supports his whole ministry. So keep praying for them and let's keep striving to be generous. Okay, keep striving whenever we start like wanting to be tempted with materialism and all that kind of stuff. Start thinking, man, collectively, we can be very generous uh, with our with our community. So anyway, that's I just thought that was a really neat thing. Um, and so we're going to keep the Hammonds in our prayers. Is it too dark in here for you guys right now? A little bit too dark. OK, I, I wasn't too sure. Sometimes, uh, you know. It's like a candlelit dinner, you know? It's uh, just a little more romantic, you know? <laughs> I, I, I just could tell by the way you were looking at me, I was like, this is not a good thing. <laughs> it was way too romantic, okay? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I do want us to jump on in here. Um, 
just, I always want us to start out, and I hope your starting point is the gospel, always. Always, always, always. Our starting point is the gospel, that, 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 our, that our matrix, that our, our worldview, what we make every decision through is about the gospel. And well, what does that mean? Okay, it's not just knowing the gospel. It's the idea of if the gospel is true, how should I behave? If Jesus really redeemed me when I was not loving him, then how should I decide here? What should I do in this situation? How should I treat people? You mean when, when I was still a sinner, he treated me this way? How should I treat somebody? Everything we consider should be based through the gospel. Everything we read, okay? As we've shared the last couple of weeks, I feel a little bit like I'm, I'm confessing. I'm, uh, this, these are confessions of a performance addict, right? It's like I like doing things. I like them to be able to be measured. I like them to be better than other people. I like to be all of those things that we all have in common, which is comparison and competitiveness and kind of like looking down on others. And really starting from a place of distance from God, which is a totally unhealthy place to be, okay? Uh, uh, in Christ, that is, okay? Now, here's the deal is, as we talked about last week, if, if you're not in Christ, then, then saying you're close to him doesn't make any sense at all, okay? We need to be washed by his blood. That has to happen. We have to make him Lord in baptism. Those things have to happen. But if you're in Christ, it can't be, I'm really far from him today. I need to do some good things for him to like me and to love me and accept me. It's the idea of the gospel says, no, I, God is in, in him, in Christ. God is saying, I can't possibly accept you any more than I do right now. And that should be what changes how we decide everything we do. Everything we do. How we treat one another, how we treat our family, how we treat the lost, how we treat our waiters and waitresses and all of these things is going, wow, man, because of that, I mean, it's really what Alex talked about this morning. It's like, because God loved you, not because you love God, but because he loved you, you should then love others, right? That's the perfect matrix of gospel thinking. And so hopefully every time we open the Bible, every time we interact, every time we go out in the world, Every time we're with our family, our first thought, our, our worldview, our filter is the gospel, okay? That's going to just help with everything. And so um, we've chosen this really, you know, everyone likes talking about humility. Everyone loves it, right? I mean, it's like your favorite thing in the world is humility, all right? It's, it's the idea of, no, I mean, nobody likes talking about that. Humility is one of those things where isn't it really easy to see the lack of in other people, it's super easy, like we are tuned in to the lack of humility in other people, all right? And as we talked about last week is this idea of it's very easy to go, Patrick, you're just prideful. And as we said, okay, no kidding. That's like going to the doctor and he, go, and he, and he just says, dude, you're sick. You're like, who paid you to tell me that? Of course I'm sick. That's what I'm here for, all right? But we want to embrace humility or, or we're not going to live the gospel. We're, we're not going to, we're going to be, we're going to be, embracing performance and distance and trying to work our way towards God and, and we're going to be fighting and bickering with one another and trying to look good and make ourselves look great unless we embrace humility. This is one of those things where, right, God said, I oppose the proud. All right, this is not a joking matter, right? I mean, this isn't one of those things where, like, yeah, you know what, uh, God, God opposes the proud. I mean, understand what that means, all right? The God of the universe is saying, I will actively oppose the proud. And Jesus himself says, I'm humble in spirit. He says, no, come to me. I'm humble. All right. The very one who we're saying, I follow, I want to be like, he himself says, I'm humble. 
all right? And, and we do know, we talked about kind of, uh, this, was, this was our key verse, and hopefully it's something we're meditating on, Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. What is that calling? It's the gospel. It's, it's live a life. It's like what Alex was saying. It's not like sitting around and just trying to be good. It's like, no, you live a life worthy being completely humble, right? It's been like a week. Have you gotten there? <laughs> Complete humility. Completely humble. But I want you to just let it penetrate your heart is to go, okay, if I haven't been striving for that, I've been okay with God opposing me. All right? I mean, that gets real at that point, right? I mean, it really is amazing, okay? We, what we, we talked about what it was, and it's not just falling on your sword, man. It's not just saying, oh, you know, you're right, and I'm wrong, and oh, my goodness. That's not always humility. It's not incompetence, right? I mean, you don't want a humble surgeon going, gosh, I mess up that surgery all the time. <laughs> you're not going to give him credit for that. You're like, man, I, I'm sorry, dude. I thought it was your left leg. I take the right leg off all the time. No one's going to go and go, man, at least he's humble. You go, no, he's incompetent, all right, or apathetic. It, that isn't humility, okay? It's not apathy of going, oh, man, you know what? I just don't try, okay? We don't get points for that kind of humility, okay? It, it, it isn't, okay? And so we got to know, but, but what it is, though, is very simply knowing who God is and knowing who I am. See, see, the problem with pride is all of a sudden when I start thinking I'm something I'm not, I have power I don't, that I can affect things I can't, right? All of a sudden, I start seeing myself as big and others as small. I start seeing things, I start seeing relationships transactionally. Like, if I do this for you, Dean, if I do this for you, then you're going to do something good for me, right? Okay, that's not a humble relationship. That's not a godly relationship, all right? is humility is understanding. You want to know what? Even when I understand the depth of my sin, I won't possibly be able to grasp the reality of it in light of the cross of Jesus. And knowing God and knowing that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all... Listen, he doesn't need me or you. Okay, really, that, that is not a necessity. He's not going, man, you know what? If, if Keith and Abby or Ben and Sarah or Riley, if they weren't there, my church wouldn't make it. And, and that may sound funny, except you want to know what? That's, our, that's how we think oftentimes. If so-and-so wasn't in the church, we wouldn't make it. No, 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 no. See, that's very private. That's not understanding who God is and who we are. All right? God isn't going, gosh, man, I am really going to struggle if Sue doesn't get out and do something today. He, God is, God never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never, ever Right? And so it's that idea of we've got to remember when we know who God is and we know who we are, that is the state of being humble. All right? And we're going to discuss that more and more getting into it. We talked last week, like the starting point, because humility is like this big ocean, right? I mean, there's a whole lot to it. It's not like you can, it's like a disco ball. I mean, not many of you guys were alive in the 70s, but disco balls, man, you know, they have all kinds of little mirrors, facets on them, okay? It's not just one mirror, right? It's a whole bunch of little things. And one of the important parts of like embracing humility is, man, there's a lot in Keith and there's a lot in you that we got to empty out, right? We got to just like let it go. It can't be filling us up if we're going to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about last week, all right? Um, 
we talked about emptying ourselves of these different things, all very simple things. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Um, these are things that I'm sure we've all emptied ourselves of this week, right, of, of all of these things here. But here, here's really the hard part. As easy it is as this is to see in others, it's equally hard to see in ourselves. It's equally hard to see in ourselves. It's very, to, to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know people who are really control. Listen, man, we need one another to dig into how controlling we can be, to, to how offended we can be, how defend, we need one another because this is really tough to see on our own, right? So th- there was a method to this madness here is, is we had our 30 for 30. I, I think some of you, I did hear from some of you guys, you guys dug into this, all right? Um, he, here's what I will tell you. This isn't magic, okay? This isn't like, oh man, if I do it, then all of a sudden I'm going to be humble. The only thing I know as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher, as an evangelist, the only thing I know is the word of God has to be put in front of people and they have to insert their life into it. And it has to go through the filter of all that they are in the hopes that they will obey and trust that message, okay? Uh, That's all I know. If, If at any point you say, I won't do that, I just want you to give me a really cool illustration of a point. I just really want you to read the Bible for me. If at any point you go, I won't enter the Bible that way, no one can help you. No one can help you. There's no preacher. There's no church leader. There's no spiritual guru. There's nobody that can help you because it requires me and you. And so these kind of 30 for 30 of of giving you a little bit of an assignment to go, I'm going to take 30 minutes and I'm going to write down just 30 times. You don't have to do that. I mean, here's the deal. You may go, I hate that, but you still have to enter into the Bible somehow. You've got to enter in head first and let your heart swim around and figure out a way. How am I going to trust Jesus with what he's saying? And this was really a starting point of right here in Matthew 16, spending 30 minutes talking about the, or just involving ourselves with the very words of Jesus. When he says, listen, if you, if you even want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. He said, you got to, in essence, you got to empty yourself of you. Like you have to go, right? And, and just spending 30 minutes just going, what does that mean to me? And what am I learning? And what is God saying to me? And what do I need to go and obey? Not just sit here and go, wow, that was really good. I meditated. But the idea of, hold on a minute. If you're like me, it's really easy to go, wow, when was the last time I denied myself? When was the last time I didn't just indulge in whatever I wanted to indulge in, you know? And just, you know, the big ones are like, yeah, those are, those are no-brainers, right? I'm not going to go murder somebody. I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm not going to go and do these things. But it's the, it's the denying of myself of going, what about my rights, though? That's a tough one today. What about the things I deserve? No, no, no. He said, no, you don't get to hang on to those things. In Christ, how? Because that's how awesome the gospel is. That if we read this outside of the framework of the gospel, it's not awesome. But if, in fact, the gospel is true, that Jesus said, no, 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 I'm telling you, I know your worst. I know the worst thing, the most embarrassing thing about each and every one of us. I know those things. I was there. I saw them happen. Follow me. I will redeem you. I will die for you. When it's the gospel, then it makes no sense at all 
for us to not do this. When the gospel is that great, we should go, oh, why would I hang on to myself? Why would I hang on to my rights? Why would I hang on to those things? Let me just get myself conformed to who Jesus is. Okay, that's what we spent 30 minutes on last. Hopefully you did. If you didn't, I'm really going to encourage you to do that. Unless you have like your other way you do it. That's fine. Okay, it really is. This week, what I want to dabble in here for a few minutes is the humility of teamwork. Teamwork takes humility. It it just does, right? I mean, in order for a, a group to come together cooperatively, it requires, it begs the idea of teamwork. It's amazing the New Testament writers that talked, when they were talking about the specifics of corporate groups, you know, and and it's, it's, it's interesting as you're reading the New Testament, very rarely do they talk about the worldwide church as much as they talk about where you are. Hey, the place you are in Thessalonian, at Thessalonica, the place where you are in Rome, the place where you are in Ephesus, that place where you are. That's the church, and, and, and it's got to, you've got to work together, okay? It's super easy to go. Man, that guy that lives in the Ukraine, I love that guy. Hey, you want to know what? Distance tends to be inversely proportional with how much we can love some people sometimes. Sometimes if you get too close, you start seeing things you don't like, right? But if you're far away, you're like, that dude, how can, how can people not love that dude that lives in China? Well, here's the thing is, people are people. And and the ones that you see the most warts in are the ones that are right around us right now. Those are the ones that are hard to love. It's not the guy you're listening to his podcast each week and you're like, oh man, that dude is so awesome. If my brothers and sisters were that awesome, I'm like, I guarantee you if that guy was in this church long enough, you'd find something wrong with him. I guarantee it. The closer you get, the more husbands and wives, you know this, right? You, you know this about your spouse. It's this idea of, listen, we stand back from a distance and go, man, you know what? Patrick is awesome. You know what? <laughs> Megan is going, he is awesome. But I got a few things I can share about that boy that y'all don't know. <laughs> you don't know what I live with in that house all the time. Okay? That, that's the thing is, Byron's not here. Byron's awesome. But Linda go, hold, hold up. I see that man's warts. <laughs> I see what happens when the door closes, okay? What am I, what am I saying is, is that the closer the proximity, the more we see all the junk and the harder it is to love and to be a team, okay? It's always easier to look out and go, oh, yeah, man, look at those guys, right? We see that. We, this is the beautiful thing about living in Clemson. I'm thankful Jody's not here today. I would have turned him off right now. We got the Clemson football team up here, right? But I'm going, this is the beautiful thing. We have this illustration that we see over and over and over again in our own community of a man that is coaching this team, and it's just this cohesive, amazing team that wins championships, and we're like reveling in it, right? We understand what teamwork is, right? I don't know if y'all know this guy. He coaches the San Antonio Spurs, man. Joker wins with people that he probably shouldn't win with, all right? He says, not about any one person. You've got to get over yourself and realize it takes a group to get this thing done. That's what he's telling his team. Listen, here's the thing that humility should scream in our ears. And and you put your name in, okay? What, What it's screaming in my ears is, Keith, get over yourself. 
Anna Claire, get over yourself. <laughs> Lauren, get over yourself. All right? No one likes to hear that because they're like, no, 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 man. Listen, what I bring to the table matters. Dude, get over yourself. Okay? There is not one person. When I was an athletic trainer at Fresno State, okay, I was a young athletic trainer. And uh, frankly, I was the man. That might just be my assessment, okay? Don't ask anyone else that was there, okay? I'm just telling you what I told myself, okay? And so, um, yeah, I mean, my, normally what, what happened when you went into a sports medicine program is you worked a few semesters with a group of other students, and then usually your last semester, they give you your own team. I was in the program for five semesters. It wasn't because I was dumb. I actually got in really, really early, okay? And my second semester on, I had my own teams, and so I was like, I'm the man. I'm traveling all over the country, you know, sportsmen, all of these things. And, I, and, and there was a soccer game. I was working for the soccer team. And uh, we had uh, two sprained ankles, a sprained knee, and a concussion in the game. All right. And so um, I had like a number of student trainers that work with me. And, um, and I come up into, and, and treated them horribly. I treated them the way I thought I was the man. And treated them poorly, okay? And uh, came up after the game, and my job is to make sure that dude with a concussion does not go home, <laughs> okay? I, I got to keep an eye on him, and I've got to make sure the other guys see the doctor. And I come up, and I look at it, and there's none of my student trainers there to help. N none of them are there to help, and the field needs to be cleared of all the coolers and the backboard and the training supplies and the equipment and all of that kind of stuff and I'm like running down the stadium bring that up trying to treat people I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off right and and all of our staff offices were like huge glass walls okay and I'm running around and I look and all of the student trainers are in the head trainer's office with him and he tells them when he looks over here point at him and laugh and they all started laughing. And, point, and I had a 10-gallon cooler in my hand. And I can't tell you how close I was of chucking that thing through that glass. I was furious. All right? And afterwards, I came up, and I was like, thought I was justified in my anger. And the head trainer says, hey, dude, come here and sit down. Let's, let's talk, right? Um, and he said, where's your concussion guy? I said, I don't know. What, what about the knee guy? What about the ankle guy? They, did they see the doctor? I don't know. What are you doing? And, and essentially, he was like, so you didn't do your job at all, and you're angry at these other guys, right? And he goes, Keith, I have one thing to say for you. Get over yourself, all right? You aren't the man. You aren't the man. This program doesn't run because you think you're the man, all right? You either, you got to get it together. Man. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. I, I went through the gamut of emotions, man, of, of I want to beat everyone up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and stalk them and, and kill them. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to find their children. No, no, I didn't go that far. But all of us, I do think that, and you may go, on, wow, dude, you are the most arrogant human being. Amen. Okay, I mean, I'm not, I, listen, I won't argue that with you. <laughs> okay. But we all have, man, we are missing out on, uh, I, in many cases, our default setting is I'm awesome and everyone else isn't. I'm doing great things and nobody else is. 
man, if everybody else could get on board and really know what I know, okay, heed these words. Let's, let's keep telling ourselves, that, dude, I need to get over myself, all right? I, I just need to get over myself. The church doesn't exist for me. It exists because of Jesus, all right? I don't raise people from the dead. I don't absolve people of sin. I didn't create the universe. I can't breathe anything into existence, okay? There are mornings I wake up that I could take things out of existence probably with my breath, all right? But the thing about it is, is, is we just have to get over ourselves. There, here's three things. These three qualities kind of are, I, I, want to, I want them to just kind of marinate in your brain too. This really, to me, embodies humble teamwork are these three things. Do I have care and concern for anybody else, for other people on my team? Am I cooperative? And do I contribute anything? Like, what do I bring to the table, right? I mean, when, when I show up, do I just contribute a bad attitude, criticism? Do, do I cooperate? Or it's like, my way or the highway, dude. You, you, listen, until you do things my way, I'm not going to be, I'm going to have a bad attitude. This isn't humble teamwork, okay? Turn over in Romans chapter 12, okay? This is where we're just going to camp out for a few minutes right here in Romans chapter 12. Um, and I want you to think of one thing, again, if in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to have care and concern for other people in my small group, in my fellowship, I'm going to be more cooperative and I'm going to contribute more. I want to say this right now. That's not enough. That's just behavior. Okay. If in fact, though, you say, you want to know what, though? Because Jesus redeemed me, because he rescued me when I was unrescuable, because he loved me when I didn't love him because he gave me new life when I should be dead, because he didn't judge me for my sins, because of all those things, I'm going to show genuine care and concern for my brothers and sisters. I'm going, to co- I'm going to be cooperative, working together, and I am going to contribute. Why? Because if the gospel is true and real, then that's the only answer that should possibly motivate me, is that is seeing it through the lens of the gospel. Romans chapter 12. Let's read right here. Uh, we're just going to sit here in verse uh, really 9 through 13 or so. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 9. Okay. Um, and, and just think about this. I, the, here, here's what helps me the most. Think if you were to sit down somewhere, like at a coffee shop or at a really great place you're having a quiet time or out by the lake or something, and Jesus were to sit down next to you and he were to say these very words to me and you. Love must be sincere. Or in some versions it says without hypocrisy. Detest evil. I mean, it's like just commands, right? If the gospel's real though, these matter. Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Right. Show family affection. That's a, that's a two-sided coin, okay? If you grew up in a family that was completely dysfunctional, you're going to read that and go, I don't want any part of that. Okay. 
What he's talking about here, though, is, is true gospel family relationships. Show family love as brothers and sisters, moms and dads, grandfathers and grandmothers. Is show a self-sacrificing love. Show a warm love. Show a concerning love for one another. And he's saying that one another outside of your family. He said, this is how the church should be. Show That may be the place. You may stop right there and go, I don't do this. All right? I'm going to say, listen, humbly become a team member. Okay? Repent and humbly become a team member. Show family affection. In your family, now here's the thing, this is the beautiful thing we have sitting here is, is we have folks that you came from really great families or you're in really great families or you're, you understand what it means to love one another. How many times in your family has somebody behaved in a certain way? And you were like, but I love them. Like you didn't, you didn't dwell on it. You, you didn't like, just ruminate on it over and over and over again how much you hated them or how much you didn't like despise them how often does that happen in your family but oftentimes when we talk about the team or the church or the local family we do the complete opposite we find out what's wrong and then it's like but you know what's wrong with murphy Man, I can't believe Murphy behaved that way at the softball game. I can't believe Murphy does. You know what Murphy's problem is? She doesn't even understand the Bible. You know, and I'm going, who do we do that in our family to? He says, no, show family affection. You know what? That means sometimes you let things go. That doesn't mean sometimes you don't talk. You got to talk about the truth, too. You got to be honest, man. All right? But you know what we do really well in our family? We let it slide right off. Oftentimes, we give the benefit of the doubt in our family much easier than any other time. He says, here's the deal is if you find yourself and all you're doing is complaining about your brothers and sisters, I'm going to say you need to start doing this. You're not doing what God wants. He's saying, dude, I died for you. Why can't you live this way? Right? This isn't one of those things you just blow by. He's like, no, no, no. You do this. If all you can do is find out what's wrong with your brothers and sisters, you know, Gosh, I hope your family's not like that. I hope you're not doing that to your spouse, and I hope you're not doing that to your children. But he says in the church, show family affection. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. See see the opposite? When it's about me, I need honor. I need you to honor me. I need you to say good things to me. I need you. What have you done for me lately? See, that's the complete opposite of what he's saying to do. He's like, actually, no. Like you go, he said, if you want to compete with your brothers and sisters, outdo one another in love. Say, man, do you see Ryan, how much he honored Pat? I'm, I'm going to make Ryan look, no, 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 don't have that. <laughs> but he's saying, outdo one another in showing honor. All right? You see this humility in teamwork. This is care and concern for others. This is the idea of intentionally, let me show, let me, let me actually love you like I love my own children. That's probably one of the best things that happened to me as a minister is having children. Because the truth of the matter is, as students come through the campus ministry, I think, you know what? I want to know how, I want, this is how I want my children treated. I don't want some guy 
messing with my kids. I want my children loved. I want them to be told the truth. I want them to be able to be nurtured, right? Is this idea of going, how would I love my family? Am I loving my brothers and sisters that way? Or is it just, it's always one strike and you're out. You know, it's, is it always that way? You know, outdo one another. Don't lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. And again, hospitality isn't just Martha Stewart hospitality, right? It didn't just, hey, come over to my house for dinner. Hospitality is warm and welcoming in every situation. That's hard to do. That, that's hard to do. Sometimes it is easier in our homes, and we should be doing that, and opening our homes and being warm and welcoming. But you know what I wonder? Everyone that walked, we go to Y Beach. That was awesome. I love it. Anyone that's around us at that time, I want them to know that there's a spot at the table for you. That we are warm and welcoming. Hey, there's a place for you. No, no, no. You don't have to go and sit in a chair over here. No, no. Let us pull a table up to the chair for you. Show hospitality, right? It's care and concern. It's cooperation. It's contribution. All of these things of really embracing humble teamwork. Okay. You know, the only way that we get to outdo one another and showing each other honor or family affection is there's no way I can do it if I don't value my brothers and sisters and their strengths. See how comparison and competitiveness have no place in the gospel? Because if I'm comparing myself and competing with my brothers and sisters, how can I possibly honor them? How can I possibly be grateful for them? How can I possibly show honor to them? Because I'm constant, I've got to be better than somebody. Right? Cooperation is about, you want to know what? There are things that God has built into every person. And he, and he shares it earlier in Romans chapter 12. He said uh, up there in verse 4, Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ. He, he said, you want to know what? And you guys have read this, 1 Corinthians 12. Your hand does not do the same thing as your lower leg. Your ears don't do the same thing, you know, as your foot. We understand that, but could you, you know, it's always the funny illustration that, that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, which is how messed up would your body have to be for your foot to just complain all the time that it can't hear? Man, if I can hear, I wouldn't go step on that nail. Okay. The, the truth of the matter is, is it's humility embodies everyone's value and worth in Jesus. All right. Non-gospel, prideful living. We've got to break others down. Like I've got to find something wrong with you. I've got to figure out when you've done, done me wrong. I've got to remember when you've done that. I've got to remember when you weren't acting correctly. I've got to remember all those things about you. Because that's going to make me feel better, all right? It's this idea of carrot, humble teamwork, all right? That's really the truth. I mean, really remembering what Coach Popovich said in the get over ourselves. 
The easiest place to do that actually is Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Because we're all sitting in here happy and singing songs and all of those kind of things. The real test is going to be when I leave here. What's going on in my home and what am I talking about? And am I just like, you know, just feeding bad attitudes and feeding cynicism and feeding everything that's the opposite of care and concern for others and cooperation and all that kind of stuff and figuring out, man, I can't believe that Jacob wore those shoes, man. I mean, those things, you know, and, and not just because they're ugly, okay? <laughs> but, but you can go, you, you know how much money I bet you he spent on those shoes? <laughs> You know how much money? If he wasn't materialistic, you don't know what? That's what he needs to grow in. That's what he needs to grow in. Oh, my goodness, man. Could you imagine if I treated my children that way? You know, you always thought the worst first. Oh, yeah, okay. Look at Pat coming in a new shirt every week like he, you know, runs the joint. So materialistic. Alex went and bought a new car last week, you know, and, and, and it's just that idea of we just... It's, it's, we're just finding things and going, you know what, it's because they're really, that, you know, it, they need to listen to this and be humble. <laughs> all right? Well, hey, let's embrace the idea that we're all in this same pool having to work on this. The beautiful thing is we all have the same gospel. All right? The limiting factor is, is if we decide I won't listen to the gospel, I will not respond to the gospel. I will not embody the gospel. Then there's not going to be any humble teamwork. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like, man, you know, I'd do better if y'all did better. You ever said that before? Man, if, if you know, Brent Ashcraft leads my small group. All right. If, if he did better, I'd do better. Yeah. I mean, the way he leads a small group, he's not here. I know, you know, that's okay. But the way he leads a small group, I know somebody that lives in Florida that they lead small groups so much better than Brent Ashcraft. It, it, it's, it's amazing. It, it's amazing how our line of thinking, we can justify such sin. Go, really? So that dude down in Florida, this awesome? You know what's, the di- you know what's funny? I don't ever see that dude in Florida. <laughs> the, the more I see you, the more I'm going to irritate you probably. And vice versa. All right? We're going to see junk. All right? But we've got to fight that, that aspect because what he's talking about here is, no, no, no. The brothers and, you, and sisters you see, man, don't stay away from them. Don't not go and be a part of what they're a part of. Don't not go to your group. Don't not go to YB. Go, no, 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 be around them. But, man, it is so hard because it is a warty group of people. They have got some sin, and I, don't, I like other people more than I like them. God's going, no, 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 no. you're here for a reason. You get around those people. And don't just endure them. Humbly show them family affection. No, 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 no. Don't just endure them. Don't pat yourself on the back when you found out something wrong with them. Figure out a way to outdo their, someone else in honoring them. Wow. But how it, simple task, right? Actually, this stuff is super easy. You know what the biggest hurdle that I see is me. But, but if I do that, uh, he might think he's doing better spiritually than he is. You know, if I just go and like pretend like everything's cool and I, I love Adam, he, he's not going to really know that he's struggling. 
Right, say it out loud. It doesn't sound hilarious. You're like, no, 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 I don't want to really love that guy. He might think he's like spiritual. And God is going, no, 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 I know y'all are a bunch of nincompoops. And you couldn't be closer to me than you are right now. So why don't you treat other people that way? That doesn't mean you don't tell them the truth, right? Humble teamwork, okay? Here's the thing. This week you go, okay, I'm going to get on this. Romans 12, this is what we read this morning, okay? 30 minutes won't be enough. It will not be enough on this section, okay? 30 minutes could be the top one. Love must be without hypocrisy, okay? That could be 30 days right there, okay? What I'm asking you to do is apply your heart to this verse. Not from a standpoint, as Alex said, not from a standpoint of going, oh, I read it and now I'm good. But going, hold on a minute, this is a response to the gospel of Jesus. If Jesus really did those things, if I really believe in the gospel, if I really believe he loved that much, this is the only possible response me and you should have. And now knowing that is one thing, we've got to marinate in it. We've got to sit in it, okay? Probably this 30, we probably need to do this every single day. It's 30 minutes ago. Let me just sit here. Am I behaving this way? Is this what the gospel's producing in me? And if the answer is no, not really, I'm not that good at it. The, really, the cool part of the gospel is he said, man, I give you a gift of repentance. Repentance is a gift. This idea of it's not too late. It's not over. You're not in the doghouse. Right? But reconnect with the gospel before we just change our behavior. Going, you mean God loved me without hypocrisy? You mean God detests evil and clings to what's good? You mean God treats me with family affection and I have no right to that affection? Right? It's this idea of reconnecting with the gospel. Um, Empty ourselves out. Humble teamwork. Um, Let's dig into this. I will guarantee you, as Alex brought up, the people that are around us will be impacted.